Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. If you go to, to Genesis 3, I'm going to go right to the beginning. You know, as you turn there, I just want to say that every book in the Bible points to Jesus. That all of it points to Jesus. You know, it says in Hebrews that God spoke in various times through prophets and other people, but now he speaks through his son. That God has one message, and that is Jesus Christ. So if you go to, to Genesis 3, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to 15, and this talks about Adam and Eve in the garden. I'll just go through it here. So it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? I remember um, there's a famous evangelist, Ryan R. Bunke, and he said of this verse, he said, Man had decided that he could continue without God but God didn't want to go on without man. At this point where man sinned, he decided that he could separate himself from God. He didn't want him anymore. And it it says in verse 10, So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? You know, today there, there are times where we know more about ourselves than we know about Jesus. As soon as they sinned, they then looked to themselves and looked away from God. It says here, Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now just to explain here that the serpent is a picture of the devil. That was the, that was the devil himself deceiving man, and that God was cursing the devil. And then this last verse, verse 15, is, um, is the main point here. And then God says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, that's with a capital S, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now the capital S and, and the capital H on his seed and his heel, that speaks of Jesus. You know, this is known as the first ever messianic prophecy in the whole Bible, that God straight away says that Jesus is coming to crush the devil, 
but it says in the, in the crushing of the devil that his heel will be bruised, speaking of the suffering and the wounds that Jesus would, in, would be inflicted with in his defeating of, of the devil and of death and of sin itself. So you can see right at the beginning of Jesus being declared, of God saying that the, the, the saviour of us will be Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus stands alone as our saviour today. That's why in our, you know, as, as Christians, our faith is in, is in a God who saves us. You know, I find it hard to believe that in, in other religions or, or beliefs that you, know, you, can, you can say sorry for your sin, you can kind of live a little bit better, and then that makes you right with God. But as soon as you see here, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned once, they are separated from God. They cannot, you can't coexist with a holy and pure God if there is any iniquity. It says in the Psalms that God is too holy, he can't even look upon iniquity. That's why we'll look at it later. When Jesus hangs on the cross, he says, God, why have you forsaken me? God cannot be near it. He is instantly separated from our sin. And that's why we need a saviour. We need Jesus. And the true cost of sin, you can see straight away in the next chapter, in the story of Cain and Abel, that the, the cost of sin is immediately exposed. You have the it's the famous story where Cain and Abel, they offer their sacrifices and their offerings to God. And Abel's sacrifice is, is a, of a greater value. And God sees him and declares him as righteous because of it. And, and Cain is jealous and angry at Abel because of this. So then Cain kills his brother. And God sees it. And, and God sees that he's done this. And then God goes to him and he says, you are cursed from this day because of that sin. Because God is a right and just God, he has to be just in his judgments. So he gives him a just punishment for what he has done. And then Cain cries out and he says, my God, this sin, this curse is greater than I can bear. This punishment is greater than I can bear. That straight away that we cannot uphold our own sin. We cannot pay for what we have done. If God was to be truly righteous and just with us and that we had to pay for what we have done, we cannot carry that load. And even Cain recognized that from the very beginning that we cannot pay for what we have done. And that's why we need a saviour. If we fast forward to, to Jesus' coming, and I'm just going to say a few, few verses here, you don't need to, to go through it, but in the beginning, obviously, Mary is then met with the angel who says that you're going to bear, that you're going to have a child and he will be the son of God. He will be the Messiah, he will be the saviour. And the angel says to, to Mary in Matthew 1, he says, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save my people from their sins. That the name Jesus means saviour. And that was, the, that was the MO, that was the mandate that Jesus had, was to save us from our own sin. To redeem us from the curse of sin and death. Yeah, so that's my favourite verse in the Bible, where it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That he loved us, so he gave us Jesus. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus later, he begins his ministry of the gospel. He preaches the good news, the news of, of the new covenant, the new life that we can have in him. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He, he ministers to the poor. He feeds them all, all the masses that come to him. He doesn't reject anyone. But he still, if it was just, if he stopped there, if he, if he was just that, all he'd be would be, he'd be a mighty prophet. Or he'd be a great man of God. But if, it, if all he did was his, his ministering of, of his miracles or of his teachings, 
it would stop there. He'd just be a, he'd just be a great man of God, but he couldn't be our saviour. But Jesus had to go to the cross for us. You know, I think in, in the book of Luke, it, it paints it so well, but about 13 chapters before it even speaks of the crucifixion, it says, it says that when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face towards Jerusalem. That even then, early on in his ministry, he said, I'm going one way, and it's to the cross. That in every, all of his ministry and everyone, he was pouring his life to the, through the, to the disciples, to all the masses, but he was going in one direction, and that was to the cross. That that was where the, the mission would be completed. That would be the, the sole, the main focus of his life on earth, was to go to the cross for us. And this is what I want to focus on today, on, on Easter Sunday, that this whole weekend, you know, on Thursday night we had the privilege of, of, of be thank, being thankful and grateful and worshipping in the Lord's Supper when Jesus spends time with his disciples and shows them and opens up to them the new covenant in him. And now, you know, he went on Friday, we celebrate that he went to the cross, and today is the Resurrection Sunday, that he has ascended on high, he has conquered sin and death, and that he rules and reigns forever. And of his kingdom there is no end. And it sets us free. That Jesus, on his time on earth, I just want to clarify that he was fully man and he was fully God. That he was tempted just as we were, but without fault. He didn't, there wasn't any shortcut for him. There wasn't any, didn't, life was no easier for him. That he had to suffer just like we would have had to suffer if we went, had even a glimpse of the life that he had. He had to endure it all. He lived fully as man, but fully as God, so he could take our place. He had to be a sacrifice on our behalf. And you see this when you see the, the, that he suffers in this, that he is pained, he's wounded for this. You know, in Luke 19, as he's, as he's entering into Jerusalem, as he's it's in the Passover and he's about to enter in, knowing that he's going to, to be on trial, knowing that he's going to be crucified. He goes in there and he almost... He weeps, and it says in Luke 19, 42, he said, if only you had known the things that make for your peace. You know, and that's, my, that's been my prayer for you guys today. If you would know the, the cost that it cost Jesus for your peace today, what, what, it, what he had to go through, that we can be reconciled with God, that when you close your eyes and pray, that God hears you. you know, in the Old Testament, it would say, that the curse would be that God will not hear your prayers. But today, God hears you when you pray, that if you believe on Jesus, you are instantly saved, that your salvation is secure if you believe in Jesus, that he makes the way for us. And if, if only we'd understand just a little bit more what, was made, what he had to go through for our peace today. He was wounded and chastened. It says in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was chastised for our peace. And because of that, we have peace with God today. You know, as Wish was sharing earlier in the communion we had, that then he goes to have his last supper with the disciples. And in this occasion, he opens up to us the new covenant, and the new covenant is in him. If we go to Matthew 26, and we can't cover the whole chapter of Matthew 26, there is so much here, but I'd really encourage you guys, even over this weekend, if you could go just read through, you know, Matthew 26, 27, 28, and it just goes through the whole, uh, this last supper, the going to the cross, the hanging on the cross, the resurrection. It just speaks of the, of the crux of the, of the New Testament that we have today, the, the true gospel. 
And I'm just going to go over the, the institution of the, of the Lord's Supper here in, in verse 26. I'm going to go to, to verse 32. And it says here, And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, and saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on, until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. That the New Testament is in his blood and his body, that you know, our rejoicing today is not in a, a set of rules, it's not a belief system, it is in the blood and body of Jesus. That is, what, that is where our hope is in. That's why in Peter it says that Christ is our living hope, that our hope isn't in a, in a dead God or in a, in a set of words, but it's in Jesus himself, that he gives his body for our life. It's in him we have life. It's in him, we, it says in the scriptures, that it's in him we live and we move and we have our being, in yeah. Jesus they read, and then it goes in th- verse 31 to 32. I think it so powerfully shows the love of God, the, the mercy of Jesus. It says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised... I will go before you to Galilee. That even when we forsake God, that he doesn't forsake us. You know, it says in, it says in Romans that even when we are faithless, he is faithful. He is eternally faithful. This is, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This does not change. And even when all the disciples forsook him and fled, when everyone rejected him, he never rejected us. As soon as he was raised up, he, he goes straight to them to declare the good news that they have life in him. Thank you, Jesus. If you read later, do you know, we have actually a bit of time, so I'm just going to, if you read a bit later, there's another 10 verses here in Matthew 26. I'm just going to touch on it quickly, but this is where Jesus now goes to trial. Again, he's gone to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's been arrested, now he's going to trial. Again, this speaks of the humility of Jesus, that he would endure such a thing for us. Even though it was against, it, he didn't, it wounded him, it hurt him. He would go through everything that we would go through if we were unjustly judged or sentenced like this. But he endures it all for our sake. If you read here in verse 57, I'm just going to go from 57 to 67. And those who laid hold of Jesus led him away to Cyprus, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. 
Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And for me, this is one of the most sobering verses in the Bible coming up. And it says, they answered and said, he is deserving of death. You see in the beginning with Adam and Eve that the temptation of the, the devil was, eat this fruit and you will become like God. You will become elevated. And the great sin there was pride and wanting to exalt ourselves. And again here you see man, man was sitting on the judgment seat where Jesus sits eternally and judges God. And the people say that God is deserving of death. God the Son deserves to die, that he is holy, he's pure, there is no sin, he doesn't know sin. And yet they said he is deserving of death, and they judge God to die. This is where, you know, Jesus is spoken of as, as the shepherd, but this is, this is the day where the shepherd becomes a lamb. He, sat, he, is, he has to be sacrificed and suffers on our behalf, and he endures it all just so that we can live that we can have life today. It's why it says, it's why we need Jesus as our Savior. It says in the book of Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, there is no forgiveness. You know, in the Old Testament, they'd sacrifice animals, but it's spoken of that's just a, a type and a shadow of things to come, that the true sacrifice is Jesus. And without the blood of Jesus, there is no forgiveness. You can't make yourself right with God without the Son of God interceding for you and putting his body down and you believing in him, that he died and he rose again. But this is the great victory that we have today. I, I don't want it to be a, a sobering day. This is a day of victory, that we don't worship a dead God, but a living God. Amen. That Jesus is the most famous man that's ever walked the earth and they've never found his body that the tomb is empty and it has always been empty, that there is, he is risen and he is alive and he is ascended on high, that in him is our victory and in him is our life. And I just want to touch on the, the resurrection of Christ and there's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and I, I know we're going through a lot of scripture today but I think on a day like this it's so holy and, and so important that, you know, it's not, it's not about me coming with my testimonies or my analogies, this is about the word, the word of God and what God says on the matter, much better than what I could say. So if you read here, I'm just going to go from verses 1 to 8 and then 12 to 23 in chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is Paul here speaking of, of the power and the importance of Christ's resurrection. So it says here, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also, 
as one born out of due time. Then they go from verse 12 to 23. It says here, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith also is empty. Yes, and if we, have found our, um, if we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not raise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we of all men are most pitiable. And this speaks here of the resurrection is the centerpiece of our faith, as, as Wish was saying earlier, that our faith is futile without this. And Paul's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst of them all. If I've, if I've spent my life preaching the gospel and Christ is not risen, then my life is worthless. Everything I've done comes to nothing before God if Christ is not risen. It speaks here, if Christ is not risen, we are still dead in our sins. There is no life for us. There is no hope. But it's Christ alive. It's Christ and him crucified and him rose again that we have life, that we are free, that we are just and we are righteous before God. That he sees us just as he sees Jesus because we are in him, because of our faith and hope in him. And then it says here from verse 20 to 23. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are the, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming speaks of Christ being here, the last Adam. This is like we go full circle from what we were speaking about, Adam and Eve, earlier. I just want to focus on the, the importance of the tree. In Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, and there is, a, there is such an important message in that, that Adam and Eve ate from a living tree, and death and sin reigned through all of mankind. Then Jesus, the Son of God, hangs on a dead tree and life reigns through man. That Jesus comes to complete what was destroyed. We see in the beginning that Adam and Eve went, chose their will in the Garden of Eden. And then Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane says, not my will, but your will be done. That he comes to restore what was lost in the Garden. When we chose our way, he chose God's way in spite of himself, in spite of everything that happened. And this is our victory. It comes full circle. Everything is restored. We are made right with God again. That's why Jesus said, you know, in the, in the, in the account of the woman at the well, he says, whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst. That his life, his salvation is eternal. There is, there is no lack in Jesus. He is our salvation, you know, as we were singing. He is our salvation. There is nothing else. There is nothing else that can save us. 
He is our daily bread in the Lord's Prayer. Every day our sustaining is from Jesus Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God. This is the the wonderful miracle of Jesus' ministry, of the Calvary, of, of the resurrection, that it says in Corinthians, he who knew no sin became our sin. Didn't just take it on, he became our very sin so that we would become the righteousness of God in him, that we are for now and forever made right with God if we believe in Jesus. You know, Jesus does all of this. He, he comes down, he leaves heaven, he comes down in the, in the form of a man, he, he, he lets go, he, he, he puts aside all of his privileges as the son of God and walks as a man. He then dies on a tree He then raises from the dead, and all he asks in return is our love, our faith, and our obedience. That's all he asks for. It says in Proverbs that he who who covers a transgression seeks love. And that's what Jesus seeks today, is our love and our faith in him. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and that he rose again? Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? This is why it's called the gospel. This is what he did. And in doing that, in, raise, in being raised from the dead, he takes all authority, power, and dominion from the devil. When, when everything was given to the devil after the garden, that he comes and brings it all back. That's why it's proclaimed in 1 Corinthians 2, it says of the rulers, it said, had they known, had they known what they were doing, they would have never crucified the king of glory. That hell, the devil in his pride thought, I can... I can consume Jesus, the Son of God, and I can capture him forever. But in letting him go down, letting him descend, it says in Psalm 24, that open up the gates to the King of glory, and that he is strong and mighty and mighty in battle, and he wins, and his victory is our victory today, that he is overcome, and that he is our victory. You know, I want to be closing now. I just want to on my heart, there's, there's two groups of people. You know, we've been speaking about the gospel today and how there is no other way to God. You know, some people will say there are multiple ways, but there is no other way. Jesus, Jesus doing this puts an end to everything else. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God except through me. There is no other way. There is nothing you can do. There is no other person. There is no other doctrine. There is no other mandate. It is Jesus Christ and him alone. This is our great salvation, and it's, it's free for us, but it costs Jesus everything. This is, a, this is a, a priceless salvation. We can't afford this. There's nothing we can do to gain this kind of salvation, this kind of relationship with God, where we are restored back to God, and we are his. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information, or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centre-church.uk